Hello and welcome to White Centipede Noise Podcast, the show about noise by those who love it and those who make it. I'm Oscar Brummel and today my guest is Sam Risser of Jute, a newer harsh noise project based out of Montreal, Canada. Head over to the Patreon afterwards and check out the extended segments of the interview and get an exclusive 10-minute Jute video EP. By becoming a Patreon supporter, not only do you get tons of bonus content and benefits, but you help this show exist into the future. I really can't do this without you, so if you appreciate what I do here, visit patreon.com slash noise to support. Hey Sam, Hi. welcome to White Sammy Noise Podcast. Cheers! Thanks for having me. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Yeah, awesome, awesome to meet you. Um, and we're going to talk about your project, Jute. Yes. Um, it's you're you're from Canada, and uh, you know I don't I don't like to slap anyone with uh, labels, but you're a relative newcomer to noise and harsh noise at least at least from my from what i'm aware from the project i mean i I think jude has been around since 2019 right uh i mean you'd be correct in your assessment like i would even i definitely view myself as a as a newcomer uh to this kind of stuff and yeah 20 2018 and yeah the first tape was out i think by 2019 yeah yeah. So at the same time, I don't, I, I, I only use that in term because I, I've, I saw that somewhere recently. I think in the description of, of, of the new forces tape, it said newcomer, but I've, I've been, I've been, a, I guess the past few years have been so dense with so much noise activity and so much going on that it seems like, it seems like you've been around and I, I've been aware of your stuff for, for much longer, I guess, but it's like, I guess that is only a few years, but I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, it's possible. Like I, I don't find it easy to keep up with with the amount of stuff that that comes out and and uh, sort of like new names that that crop up or even you know there's even older stuff that I sort of am just getting around to to hearing and, and stuff like that. So yeah, um, but it's cool. I mean, you you you've made quite a I think imprint. And I mean, I, I was looking back at your discography and I was trying. I was I was you have many much fewer releases than I. In, had in my mind. I mean, you've. I think in a, in, a, in a handful of releases, you've made quite an imprint and quite a unique stamp on, you know, this small scene. I, I would say. So, um, what, what's what's Canadian harsh noise scene like right now? Because I mean, I I know of like the. I mean, I'm very familiar with like the iconic Vancouver scene that I was really active when I was sort of discovering noise in like the mid two thousands. Um, you know, of course the Rita Taskmaster and Rasulka are kind of the big three that I think of. There, there, there are a bunch more. 
Um, but you're from, well, I don't know if you're from Montreal, but you're living in Montreal, right? Correct. Yeah. And that's a whole different vibe. And it seems like there's a quite pretty active Canadian harsh noise scene kind of flourishing right now of, of newer artists. I think, I mean, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like I, so I'm, I'm from Alberta originally, which is on the prairies sort of mm -hmm. above Montana. Mm -hmm. And, uh, when I finished high school, uh, I moved to Vancouver for a number of years mm -hmm. and I worked, lived and worked there and was mostly involved in like punk and hardcore and stuff like that. Um, but around the time I was, yeah, 19 or 20 and starting to hear like, uh, like, uh, throbbing gristle for the first time and, mm -hmm. uh, sort of just, yeah, like classic industrial stuff. Uh, I was really captivated with it and sort of immediately wanted to start buying like, uh, like I bought like a micro Korg synthesizer mm -hmm. and, and became inter like really interested in this sort of like underground electronic music, but noise proper for me, like I definitely was like exposed to stuff like, uh, the Rita and like Taskmaster and stuff like that when I lived mm -hmm. there. And it was kind of, uh, not that I, I couldn't even say I wasn't into it, but it kind of just like passed me by in a certain sure. way. And it, it didn't really grab me much at that point. And so, but towards, towards the end of my, my, my time living there before I moved here, uh, I did through, through people like, uh, like like Sam and Mel Paget and mm -hmm. um, and Nick Wainwright and stuff and uh, Blair who did the project uh, Moisture Discipline uh, yeah. sort of started to get turned on to stuff like Macronympha. I think that was the big thing where I sort of got interested in in noise uh, proper and harsh noise and so I moved here shortly after and there's definitely in Montreal. Uh, a very strong experimental music scene, uh, electronics and and like free jazz and, and stuff like that. Now available at Oxen Records, Incapacitance, Oxen Man's Uneasiness CD, Nobody, Woods and Wires CD, Title Still Available, Dressing, From the Body to the Door CD, Purgist, Heart Sink CD, Scum and Unsustainable Social Condition, Necessary Downfall CD, Leah P. Surviving the Familiar CD. Available at oxenrecords.bigcartel.com. Yeah, but like, what about the, the network of like, I don't know if it's a network, but I mean, I kind of see a, like a loose association of, of you know, like there's you, there's Mott, right? Mott, Mott's Canadian? I believe so, yes. There's uh, um, Toanch to Dwelling. Yes. Uh, cool Barrett. project. Yeah, yeah. Vastfield Magnetism, um, uh, his label, they're doing really really great stuff right now. Yeah. Um, so, Murmur, right? Murmur also? Canadian? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Yeah. I so, yeah. See, I'm also, like, I'm even still a little bit, like, uh, uh, maybe unaware or, or, or unsure about some sure. stuff. But, uh, yeah, I, I would agree. No, I think there is, well, yeah, I think there is just sort of, like, a new generation of people who are sort of, like, discovering what noise 
like is or can be yeah. for them, you know, like that's, that's kind of how I look at it. Like it's sort of all of a sudden I just sort of saw all these things that it could be in relation to my own interests and, and obsessions and, and, and stuff like that. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think, and you know, so I think, yeah, a lot of people are sort of maybe getting to that place as well. It feels like that. It feels like, it feels like that, handful of artists i mean like i said maybe not in a loose association i mean maybe everyone's kind of doing their own thing and canada's huge i i always you know kind of just assume oh canada like everyone's hanging out together but it's so it's so wide i mean people are so so far apart so i mean but 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 those handful of artists that i kind of come to mind are really you include are doing things that are quite unique i feel like it's like a very yeah, like finding finding their own meaning to noise, but it's it's it's, it's original. It's still part of the. It feels like it's part of the noise, harsh noise tradition, everything like that. But not, and also not like aping the, the Vancouver sound thing, or like you know, like. I feel like people around the world are aping the Vancouver sound, or were, or have been. Maybe not anymore as much, but I mean, like, the read I think is the most bit off of artist. Ever in harsh noise at this point, and sure, all that. Very, you know, like the, even the, the the visual aesthetic. I mean, sometimes I, I see s- new stuff coming out that just looks exactly like his stuff, and et cetera, et cetera. But, but, but a lot of those, yeah, like you and a lot of those other guys, all are doing very different things. Each one, and it's not it's not part of that. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's cool. I mean, I'm just curious if curious what's going on there. I haven't been. I mean, I'm I'm kind of like a little bit late to it. A little kind of catching up. Like, oh shit, there's a lot of cool well, noise going on in canada like yeah i mean it's i like i same for me even you know like uh but it, i you're you're right in saying like the the geographical reality of of living in canada definitely like uh lends itself to people like of course i mean everyone is kind of aware. I feel like, like everyone you, you, you mention and, and stuff, like everyone's kind of aware of each other's work, I feel like, and, mm-hmm. but maybe not like explicitly in contact with, with okay. one another or sure. only to, to varying degrees or, you know, whether it's just, uh, picking up a tape or like a comment on the, you know, new tape out, like awesome. Sounds great. Um, yeah. Uh, but, I think it also does, I don't know, like, uh, it does also like kind of lend to the situation of people winding up doing something that is maybe a little more unique. Like it's, it's not as easy to in Canada to be like ordering tons of new music from outside of the country because just the current, especially from America right now, like the currency exchanges is insane. Um, and, and, or even just, you know, like sending packages domestically can even be pretty expensive depending on how far it has to go. So, yeah, uh, there's like definitely isolation that cuts like in a good way and in a bad way as, as well. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I do think isolation in some ways is a good thing as long as people are active, but I think people kind of staying away from each other and not being too influenced from each other is often a good thing. I mean the, the 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 social element and the the encouragement is very cool, but it's nice. It's nice to see sounds that, and approaches and aesthetics and ideas that kind of just develop independently. 
For sure. I mean, like from from within or from, from, or from real, you know, I don't want to say from real life, but from other things and noise influenced by noise, you know? Yeah, totally. I totally agree. There needs, maybe there needs to be a new, um, underground Canada compilation. Like the mother savage, you know, like did back in the day. And that's like a, a lot of those artists on there, you don't even really think of them being from Canada. I mean, you do, but I mean, like they're very, they're all just, uh, I think something like that might be in the works actually. Are you speaking Uh, with, with insider knowledge? I'm speaking with slight insider knowledge. That's, uh, I don't know how much I should, you know, I don't want to blow someone's spot up before, you know, I'm not trying to tell tales out out of school, uh, but (laughs) I did speak to someone recently and was approached to contribute material to a Canadian compilation of underground noise and electronic music. So, uh, you can maybe expect that on, I won't say too much more (laughs) just in case, you know, I don't know, like, yeah, to to not, to not give the props now or to, and to have it, you know, what if, what if something goes wrong? Tell us, tell us, tell us who cares. I mean, I don't know. Uh, So I, uh, disaster sources who recently did the, uh, four closed walls and, uh, uh, Catholic stare, uh, cassettes. Um, exactly. So think, Another good Canadian project. That's, that's, that's fresh and, you know, seemingly very fresh and very new. And that's, that's, that's awesome. Okay. That's great. That's good. So I think there might be, yeah, I think there is something like that in the works, which will be really great because I, I agree that there's, there's a critical mass going on of material for sure or potential. Yeah. To be. Nice. Yeah. I just, um, also interviewed, uh, Jason Kushner, AKA Saudi of two assistant deputy ministers who's, you know, also, you know, living in Jip, lived in Japan for the past 25 more years, but also Canadian. I didn't know. I didn't know that actually. Do you know that guy? You're familiar with his stuff or his work or his, okay. I'm familiar with him. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. not personally at all or yeah. anything like that. No. Oh, amazing. No, he's full on. Yeah. He's full on Canadian. And, uh, he has a track on that original underground Canada, um, compilation uh that mother savage did back in whenever the 90s um but yeah i the, in the interview he had, he told a really interesting story a really funny story about it so uh, i won't give it up now but it's it's yeah, I'll look forward it's, to it's that. funny it's definitely interesting um um what, what does the name jute mean by the way so jute is like just uh it's a like it's uh fibers from a certain kind of plant like a jute plant okay uh i feel bad that i don't you know know the name of the scientific name or something off the top of my head but it's like uh you know like what a a sack of coffee beans might be made out of that sort of brown burlap kind of kind of like burlap yeah like a rough hewn brown fiber made from uh yeah plant fibers uh woven into sort of rope or string or whatever And it's just something that I like this class. I find it's maybe kind of a classic thing with noise projects, like a word that's just kind of looks good and is a little bit mysterious in a way, but it, you know, looking into it, it's, it's pretty mundane actually, but, um, it also has a textural association. I mean, 
There, I think, uh, like, to go, I guess, deeper, what I like about it is the, it's sort of like a very, yeah, simple thing that, like, comes from the earth and is simple to manufacture and sort of to contrast with the sort of, like, highly technologized world that we live in. That's sort of, like, one of the main preoccupations of of the project is, is technology and and stuff like that. So yeah, that's sort of where that comes from. But more than anything, I kind of just, I saw it in a book or so. I just thought that's, yeah, that's good. I Short, did, now I know. That, yeah. Now, now I know, I, I know I've heard of a jute sack before or jute, but yeah. I didn't, I didn't yeah. I thought it was maybe Ute or something like that. Yeah. Um, so, so you kind of just hinted at it, but that's something I've definitely picked up on the project. Um, and the sounds and the aesthetics and the little bits and pieces of, you know, kind of text or yeah, just imagery that I've seen associated with it is uh, this, yeah, this, this technological element of it, like industrial technological kind of theme that runs through it. What, what, what can you tell me about that? Uh, yeah. Um, it's like, I guess coming from a background in like punk and, and hardcore and stuff, uh, there's sort of the seeds of, uh, you know, being distrustful of authority and and power structures and things like that. But in my teenage years, like I was pretty lucky. I mean, first of all, we just kind of like we live in a really insanely technologically mediated world now. And, you know, I'm in my early thirties. Uh, it's, it's wilder than I would have even thought, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. Um, but when I was a bit, I was lucky to sort of get introduced to like crap, like crass Mm -hmm. uh, and crass, like really early on. And, um, one of my friends passed along this book to me when I was 16 or 17 years old um, that sort of dealt pretty extensively with like the emergence of the modern like surveillance state and the ways that uh, technologically that that was, you know, purportedly going to unfurl Mm -hmm. and uh, as I got into my later twenties and stuff, like I just, it was like, holy fuck. Like, I'm not going to credit the book because I don't really believe the author is uh, anyways, it's not really important, but mm-hmm. it was just kind of this, th- this scary experience of like, you know, this like specter from a book from my, from my youth that made things sound really scary. And then, things kind of started to happen, like it, it yeah. said, you know, and yeah. uh, so it's always just kind of been, I don't know, it's just always kind of been a weird ob- obsession of mine. You know, one of my favorite books is is 1984. And uh, yeah, the, the idea of this sort of like panoptic surveillance state that exists, but you know, it exists because like, we all need to have a phone you know, for right. our jobs or, or whatever, you know, there's just these crafty ways that 
yeah um, things go down and it's very well yeah it just like it, it troubles me in a lot of ways and and when i was first so when i was first getting into like harsh noise proper and like moving away from maybe just more like conventional like industrial music mm-hmm. or or whatever mm-hmm. um i i just had this thought one day like i've always been i've always been into and i i've always been into like sci-fi more broadly um for similar reasons that you know like it it, it says a lot about our our society and yeah um I just kind of had this thought about like the term cyberpunk mm-hmm. one day um, and how it's, you know, it's, it's mostly just kind of like a marketing word for certain kinds of like literature or media or whatever. But I just, I thought like, fuck, like harsh noise and like noise music is kind of like real life, like cyberpunk mm-hmm. music because it's so caught up in using communications technology like yes some of the technology is is musical in its conception and stuff but also like you know tape recorders and stuff that's that's communications technology and and the sort of you know i was watching the uh stuart skinner interview again the other day and he was talking about you know sort of like the inherent interdisciplinarity that comes with starting a noise project and it's mm-hmm. like well you've got to get some images you got to have it's yeah it's just this in, it's this interesting thing you know of like it's like a it's it lives in that world of of that technology and and even the idea of noise itself as sort of like pure information like Mm -hmm. an overload of information like too much information to process equals noise so i just making all these connections i just sort of it really captivated me to try and like work in that direction and make something that maybe gets some of that across i guess yeah Yeah. do you uh, do, do you think of your project as a cyberpunk project that is, kind of, yeah, like that is kind of how I think about it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Well, and you go back, you know, and you watch like old sci-fi movies from the 80s and it's said in, you know, I think Blade Runner is what's said in 2019. Yeah. And then you think, you think like, oh, fuck, like, yeah, like I live, I live in this like weird future in a, in a lot of ways. It's, it's the thing of being like the fish in the water, right? Like you don't really realize maybe how right. like, radically things are changing because you just live your life right but yeah i kind of want to like remind ah, not remind people because people don't have to buy into what i think about this stuff but you know i want to i want to poke that you know i want to get that across a little bit maybe what do you like in your personal life in your daily life how do you deal with that topic? I mean, outside of making art about it or being interested in it, like how do you go about dealing with that, you know, imposing impending, you know, surveillance overlord essentially. I mean, I assume you're not just like, Oh, this is crazy and bad, but I'm just. Sure. I mean, I can't say, I'm not going to say that I'm a super, politically active 
person. Um, you know, I'm not like actively writing petitions to roll back security measures or whatever, but I would gladly, you know, maybe sign on with someone who was doing something like that. But uh, I just kind of try to not, I think one of the main things for me, and this will come back maybe a little bit to doing noise and doing art and stuff, but I just try not to valorize the technology and technology in general. Mm -hmm. um, like, I don't think there's any good reason that every year, every synthesizer company in the world, like releases like a number of new synthesizers when like nothing new is really coming of it. Right. Um, I, I just want to be, I just try to be critical. I try to, you know, I don't like watch TV mm -hmm. very much <laughs> simple shit like that. I mean, yeah. I, uh, there was a great, uh, CD of Josh Peterson's spoken word and like mm -hmm. tape collage that came out, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, a, a couple of years ago. Yep. And there's a piece on it. I can't remember the name, but it's, it's a really great, like, uh, you know, uh, he's, he's voice saying like you know take note of like where the cameras are in your neighborhood and like don't mm -hmm. wear extravagant flashy outfits that you know that's right right i mean in my mind of minds i'm like oh yeah that's like that's fucking good advice but yeah. like i mean for the most part i just kind of try to keep my nose down my head down and 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 live my life and i just but i i if anything, I, I just push myself and others maybe to try and be critical of the dark side of the conveniences that are offered to us by things like smartphones and things like I, I don't always take my smartphone out with me when I like yeah. go shopping or whatever, you know, like, right. I don't want to sound like I'm a total tinfoil hat, but it's just, it's a fact that like data flows out of that. And yeah. it gets used for stuff that I don't really, you know, I don't know much about. So yeah. if I leave it at home, I don't have to worry about it, I guess. But yeah. for the most part, I just kind of, I'm just a work a day guy, you know? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what do you think is, what do you think are some of the most potentially dangerous things that come of that? Well, it's I mean, just I, I, know, like, I know, I know. Theoretically, we say we say like, okay, you know, just just you don't want to, you don't want to give up that, right? But what, what are some what are some things that you like could be concretely worried about? Or well, or I think definitely one thing is sort of like the the economy that's built on the back of this data that's collected. You know, there's there's sort of like when we use these devices or like social media platforms, the the implicit trade off by agreeing to the TOC or whatever, uh, TOA, whatever the fuck it's called mm -hmm. is like, you use our platform and like, we use your data in like X, Y, Z ways. And, you know, for the most part, that's just marketing and, and things like that, but, uh, it can easily become something else. Right. Right. Um, so there's that, 
Um, and there is, you know, sort of a movement of, of people who like want to push for more equity in that sort of like economic equation, like, uh, either compensate people more completely in a material way that actually helps them. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, like maybe people are getting a check or something. If you're someone whose data is like mined constantly, I, I mean, I'm Mm kind of talking out of my ass here a little bit, but. Um, and then just other stuff of, you know, like, uh, having, you know, just interests and opinions and things out there publicly that like maybe down the line are used, you know, maybe they're not okay anymore or whatever, you know, like it might be used against you in some way. I don't know Mm -hmm. how crazy all of this makes me sound, but, um, I just think there's a, I mean, no, I mean, I, 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 I totally, I mean. I'm not super um, diligent about this kind of stuff, but you're absolutely right. Like, I just think basically at, at, at the core of it, like, I just think things move so fast now that we don't actually keep up with them very well. And, and we haven't adjusted to like start doing that and like looking at things a little more deeply and not just saying like, well, let the companies decide, you know? So, yeah, this is, I mean, this is kind of a cliche topic or, or thing to complain about or, or, or analyze or critique, but what do you think about the noise scene? And I assume, I mean, I assume these days also the punk scene and all other underground scenes, I would imagine existing largely on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, it's it's another thing. Like it's totally, it's just double edged. Like it's so, it facilitates so much, you know, so much, uh, in terms of like tour, I mean, touring's in a weird place now since COVID and stuff, but, um, being able to like plan a tour or a show or promote those things or to showcase your work, uh, or to just even meet like, like-minded people you know it's like it's so good for all that stuff and like Mm -hmm. i'm someone who has basically grown up like alongside you know i've kind of been through like every iteration of these social media things like myspace Mm -hmm. like whatever just message boards before that um but i think yeah what people should maybe think a little bit more about and it's like maybe you know, you would see it more in the nineties when like the internet was maybe a little more fresh and people like interested and involved in programming and making web pages and running servers and stuff. Like, um, I don't know shit about any of that stuff. So, uh, but like, um, this, this stuff all flows through just a small number of like, of outlets and platforms. And if they decide they don't want to give it up for free anymore. They don't want to let you do this or that. Then you're fucked. What are you going to do? They don't, you're going to petition them to allow you to put your harsh noise titty collages back up on Instagram. Yeah. Like, no, yeah, they don't care. You know, like, uh, yeah. Uh, in, so there's just, uh, it funnels things. Right. And if that, and if a spout on one of those funnels gets shut off, it's like, there's going to be a lot of people like if Instagram 
was like, oh, we're going to charge you a hundred dollars a year to sign up. Like how many people are going to do that? I don't think that'll ever happen, but right. uh, there could be other things, you know, that lead people to like, maybe not want to use it and then be stuck. Like, yeah, you I almost think- can't go back to the old ways because it's so expensive even to just be sending mail and stuff around, like right. getting a release together. Like I just send you the files and you get them and it doesn't cost us anything, you know, except for our bill at the end of the month for the internet. Right. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I also wonder about the, the, the censorship issue too. I mean, I am, I'm one who will self-censor myself anyway, for a number of reasons, but at the same time, it is weird that, you know, you'll find, you know, if you're making a post on Instagram or something like that, or I don't know what the status of Twitter is, but I don't, whatever, but you know, you, certain words get, certain words trigger, um, either being, you know, banned or blocked or or shadow banned or, you know, a number of things, but like certain, you know, you see even like mainstream things, you know, the, like some blog or rap music will be like, so-and-so shot so-and-so, but it'll like put a little, like symbol over the word shot or, you know, like yeah. it'll, it, it, there's all this it's kind of like, you know, like, have you, have you, che- uh, fact checkers said this was la la la. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's just as dubious as anything else. Like, yeah, I find exactly. it funny, you know, people now are like, Oh, what's so great about the internet is, you know, when I used to read a book, you just take what the book says and, you're on your own, but now you can fact check. And it's like, well, the, the people who are, it's just as fallible that the people who are running the site, you're fact checking on it could, could be wrong. Like, yeah. you know, like, well, and that's, that's one thing that I've realized in the past few years that I'm like totally out of the loop on seemingly. Cause I, I feel like when I was younger and when Google was still sort of, I remember, I remember my, in middle school, my teacher kind of like one of the more radical, crazy teachers was like, use Google kids. It's like, you know, like, that was before we knew what Google was, and it was kind of like still new. Use Google. It's like yeah, it's, oh, yeah. you, have the, you have the fucking world at your fingertips, and it's, it's all there. And so I kind of always had this kind of thing in my mind. Like Google is like the best source. for. I, I feel like in the past few years, five years or something like that, every time I Google something, I'm like first page is full of like the same, yeah. you know, like sponsored kind of results. And then I'm like – can't really be fucked to go to the second page, let alone the third or fourth page. Sure. Yeah. And especially, no, totally. especially in Europe, there's, there's like some, I don't know if it's data protection or something, but they, there's weird, you know, in Europe, when you Google search something at the bottom of the page, there'll sometimes be like very few results. And it's like, due to this law, we have like filtered out a lot of. Oh, whoa. I think it's, it seems to be more like if you Google someone's name, if something, it, Google someone's name or something like that, or something to do with okay. a person. I don't know sure. what it is, but it just, it, for, for me, it just seems like Google and the internet in general has become so – like I feel like I'm at a shopping mall or something like that. Well, it's just – it's – yeah. I mean like – With like the, the same like and, 50 and, like chain shops, you know, like Foot Locker yeah. and whatever. Like I'm like – I would say that's like basically exactly like what's gone on. It's like who who has the most money and who can – support the most like infrastructure to run the internet. And it's like, like I read, I don't know what the stat is, but I did read a stat at one point that said like, you know, like most of the internet at this point, like traffic wise passes through Amazon servers. So it's like people who want to like not support Amazon, like 
in a lot of ways, they're just like, if you're on the internet, you're, you're probably, you know, it's probably going through an Amazon server if you're in North America or Europe or, or whatever. And it's, yeah, I don't know. It, it, I feel like at the end of the eighties and the early nineties and stuff, when it was new technology, the talk was all like, Whoa, the internet is like, it's going to decentralize everything. It's like the ultimate democratic thing. And we've just seen like the total opposite yeah. happen. And I'm not even like, I don't want people to think like, I know anything about like deep, like computer hacker shit or anything like that. But it's just, you know, for me, I can just kind of see the writing on the wall. Like it's, it's the opposite of what all those people said it would be. It's, it yeah, is. Ex it's exactly. Like, I'm, I'm the exact same way. I know nothing about that. I've never learned that or followed that or like thought I needed that. But all, all of a sudden I kind of feel like I'm like, a f I'm like a fish in a barrel at this point. Like I'm like someone who knows very little about the, what's going on under the hood of computers okay. or the internet. And like, I'm just going to like, Okay, I need to find something. I need to buy something. I'm just gonna like pull out my phone and like Google and like yeah. probably find something on the first page and be like, "This is probably right." I guess I don't know. It's like, and I feel so. Like, I guess know. that's that's like maybe that's like part of the jute angle is like we need to start. Maybe we do need to start like thinking about like what's under the hood and like maybe you do need to like start engaging with like hacker culture or something. You know, like from from the past and like learn a little bit about how shit works i don't know just as like a, a matter of like practical survivability or like Absolutely. just consumer awareness whatever you want to like however you want to frame it just like looking after yourself like we live on the fucking internet you know like we do you exactly. know a lot of people do a lot of the world does so like let's have a little uh you know I don't know. It's just taking responsibility, I, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it, 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 and it's scary that we don't. I mean, it is it is scary. It's very it's very weird because we're yeah exactly we we do we're we're simultaneously hooked into it and more and more totally ignorant of it. I have the feeling. Yeah. With Jute, um, your sound is very. It is very classic, but it also has some sort of elements that I feel like are in, in 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 employing like other sort of technological processes or 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 tools or machinery. Is that is that true? Or I I I, I feel funny. I think I saw like on Instagram or something that you posted like a little screenshot or a little something of what looked like a like a Max patch or a Pure Data patch. Okay, like, are you so using are you, are you using stuff like that in your work? In it's funny. For most of the, for the stuff that's out there right now that I've done, it's all very classically, it's pedals, it's recording noise and then processing noise, four track, like most of my stuff I operate like doing a dub basically where mm -hmm. like I do, I can even maybe, oh, cool. I have a quarter, I have a quarter inch tape machine and that's mm -hmm. what I sort of like do my master bounces out to. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of what I use to generate source sounds and stuff, it's like contact mic, my body mm -hmm. object. And I do have a very small modular, uh, box mm -hmm. that uses, uh, some stuff and maybe I'll keep some of my secrets, but, <laughs> uh, and, and then, and also like clap, like 
uh, feedback loops, you know, on yeah. a mixer. Yeah. Um, but it's more about getting all that stuff and then like a process of editing and, and dubbing it down to, to tape. But, uh, I do also have a, I have a bachelor's degree in electroacoustic mm-hmm. studies. They call it at mm-hmm. the university I attended in. Um, that's also like part of, I think it's sort of like deepened. I started jute basically when I started my degree mm-hmm. and at a certain point when you're learning about stuff like early electronic music and John Cage and Fluxus and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're in a university program that's still like in the music department. Um, you for me, there was a big part of me that wanted to like call my teacher's bluff in a mm-hmm. certain way, my professor's bluff and, and do and give them noise and stuff, you know, and say like, oh, everything is music. Okay. Like, let's go yeah. like, let's get into it. And in a way that's because the other thing in school, this comes back to like the technology thing is if you're not heavy into a composition background, then you're probably heavy into a recording track you want to be a recording engineer or you want to do uh like multi-channel sound art compositions that relies on pretty like intense uh high-end systems and treated rooms and stuff like that um and i just kind of being in that sound art academic world where at the same time you know uh the big current now is like let's horizontalize like let's get people included um, like let's hear different voices, but, uh, it all has to go through state of the art, top of the line equipment that mm-hmm. only the, only the university is going to have, or only a gallery is going to be able to front you the money for. So yeah. it's the same thing. Like we were talking about with the, the websites and, and stuff like that. Like there's still this mechanism of like, oh yeah, do whatever you want, but it has to pass through these like very, few institutionalized sort mm-hmm. of like channels. And I just thought like, no, like let's look into not doing that and using, I tried to use stuff that I f- find on the curbs and stuff here in Montreal, old stereo receivers mm-hmm. and uh, car speakers and stuff like that. And so when I, when I get a bunch of objects like that together, it's about like building feedback circuits out of them mm-hmm. and recording like the sounds that come out of, of that and using that as raw material. Um, because otherwise you're just stuck in this world of, of, of valorizing technology that, yeah, like I said, like can have a really dark, dark side to it. So, um, but coming back to like max, I've not used any max on like, proper jute recordings, but I have done max programming for school and performed. I did Mm -hmm. a performance in Nova Scotia, uh, this past summer that was using, uh, a max patch that was sort of built to emulate like a, if you were using a four tracker to play Mm -hmm. noise or loops or whatever, but certain parts of it were automated to sort of like cut it up randomly for Mm -hmm. you. So, I'm not averse to using stuff like that. Um, but my engagement with like the old ways or whatever, using analog equipment is not, 
I do love the way it sounds, but I think being in school, I was forced to like rationalize that and like find other reasons why it was appealing or necessary for me to like try and use tape and things mm -hmm. like that. You know, if it wasn't more readily available to me, I would seek it out, but it is, I could get this stuff cheaply. Like I'm not into spending, you know, I'll spend what I have to, but I'm not looking to spend a lot. I don't know if I'm getting yeah. off the track a little bit. Here. No, no, no. I, 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 that's interesting. Um, but that's also interesting that you, you know, you, yeah, you know, Max, I mean, that, that, that comes kind of back down to the genre preferences, or at least I, I see them visible because you know, Max and you've done Max programming and just apparently something that was quite similar to a noise performance and a noise patch and, and stuff, but you did that for your university. So you did that for the institution and then for your own kind of like personal independent work, you don't use that kind of technology. I've done that's, a little that's, that's, that, that seems to be the, 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 a very common uh, separation. It's the, uh, well, no, it's the other way, actually. I, I did a performance just uh, through, like, uh, Chris from Buried in Slag and Debris. He, mm -hmm. he was able to get me on a show. I have family in Nova Scotia that I was visiting, and I thought, oh. like, oh, if I had my laptop with me, I was work. What it was is I was working on the patch for school. Uh -huh. but wanted to try it out. So I see. And I, the, I mean, so it was a jute, it was a jute performance that you did with max. Yes. Okay. I understand. Sorry, okay. That's what I'm trying, that would have been the easy way to say it. No, no, no. I, I, I understand. I, I misunderstood. Yeah. Uh, and in, and at school, like I frequently gave them stuff that I was working on that was intended to be for jute. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I tried not to uh, switch it up as yeah. it were. A lot of people in the program are musicians, like accomplished, brilliant musicians, and also like brilliant with a computer, and they they do brilliant stuff. But like, I'm uh, not that kind of musician, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you think though that there is that kind of aversion to that kind of technology in? in noise in the noise scene as we know it i mean there's there's different subsections of the noise scene that maybe don't have much to do with each other you know there's probably there's a whole kind of like world i think of people who are very open to using that kind of stuff but there's not a lot of crossover and there's kind of like a lot of totally especially in like harsh noise right yeah like yeah exactly exactly is it just an is just a, is it just a sound aesthetic thing I mean, i've heard i know people say oh yeah i don't like the sound of, of that stuff but i mean is it just that or is that or is there more to it i think definitely part of it is like just the sound there's going to be a different sound there if well it, it just depends on what people do with it right like you can make digital recordings that totally sound mother savage crunchy fucking yeah it sounds analog you know yeah. like totally possible yeah and i'm not you know there's jute recordings that are before i had the tape machine like they're not mastered to tape but like fuck i tried to get it yeah sounding good you know at least yeah. when it went down on the tape that was being used for the master like on a cassette or whatever yeah like, that also just comes from like being in school though and having a little bit of knowledge about like what's going on and what 
yeah what you can actually accomplish you know what what you stand to gain by using actual tape like it is you do you stand to gain good things i would say yeah. but it's like for people who think that you have to have this and that you don't you don't ha have to have this or that anything you know but i think i think part of it is like not hearing stuff made with a computer that sounds otherwise if that mm -hmm. makes sense you know mm -hmm. like a lot of the time people who make stuff with the computer they don't have a problem with it so like they're not trying to make it sound less you know they're not trying to get away from that certain level of fidelity but right um a lot of people who are interested in this kind of music like they want to hear something a little different with a little bit of a noise floor and yeah. to me to me tape and stuff is like it's like a, uh, it's like clay and you're yeah. like pressing your sounds down into the clay and the clay is also something that like holds and binds and glues and, and is a thing in itself. Um, Absolutely. I mean, of course that is a huge, and tape is a very remarkable and special thing that does ma that does magic to sounds and different kinds of magic, but you can also, you can also rely on it too. I mean, you can also, I mean, it is the easiest way to master your stuff. I mean, when I, like when I do, when I dub tapes, for example, like for my label, I've never had anyone master, like I'll have stuff mastered for CD or vinyl because it has, yeah. you know, different formats that need, that need that. But Usually, if it's a t if someone sends me a tape master, even if I hear some kind of wild fluctuations and dynamics or something like that, where I would think mm, it's a little off, or, or you know, I always know that if I hit the tape hot and record it, it's going to do that perfect, quick and dirty mastering job. That's going to make it. I mean, it's going to change the way it sounds a bit, of course. I mean, I hope they're okay with that. But I mean, it's like yeah. I know I know it's going to give it that certain. But it's going to change it in a way. The best, the way I always explain it. And the way they kind of explain it at school or whatever. So we'll, we'll drop some science yeah. here, I guess. Like when you, when you hit the tape hard and overdrive it, your sound waves are folding back in on themselves and the yeah. waveform is becoming more and more complex yeah. and your brain loves that yeah. fucking distort. That's what distortion is. And it yeah. just loves it. So it's yeah. like, that's a real thing. And when you, when you clip something digitally, it just truncates the waveform and it sounds like yeah. shit. I mean, it sounds like one thing. There's context that that might be appealing, but it's yeah, like, but it's but it, oh, but it's you, pretty definite what it's going to sound like. There's not there's not there's not all that you know color and different differentiation in there. It's like once you hit that point, it's going to be the same. It's going to be that that sound. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So it's yeah. like. Um, I think a, there's a brilliant paper I, I read uh, in school, and now I can't I can't think of who wrote it. So forgive me if they ever see this, but <laughs> they they said something interesting. It was about noise music specifically, and it's like engagement with tape and, and analog circuitry and technology, and and sort of a, a more general, maybe aesthetic sort of observation. But the fact that noise music is sort of associated with excess and like transgression of like limits in like 
whatever, a number of areas. Mm-hmm. Um, the sound of noise on a hot overdriven tape is actually the sound like distortion itself is the sound of the limitations of the system that is mediating the sound. So yeah. what you don't, you kind of don't hear freedom. Like, you know, you're like, Oh, noise. It's like, you're actually hearing like constraints of a technological yeah. system. You're not hearing and you're, and you're fucking loving it. Like, yeah. uh, rather than hearing like some kind of like tr- transcendence of that. That's interesting. I, that, that's captivating to me. That's very it's, interesting because uh, that might be the one of the differences between harsh noise and a, a more general description of noise as an experimental type of music where harsh noise is really a very specific sound and thing and phenomenon that happens in your brain. And maybe it is similar to – it is not sound of freedom. It's maybe, the, it's maybe closer to who knows, sound uh, – you know what you t- what you said about the, the the fact that analog distortion has in the brain. M- maybe it is s- more similar to what we experience in our brains in moments of shall we shall we say transgression or, or. Sure, because I mean, you could even say like when you come up on a limit in whatever context, that's a complex system or situation to to navigate, right? And I guess that's. Maybe something similar is going on with the sound there too. It's. I feel like that's if I were to try to describe what that what why harsh noise is like, so appealing or what it is. It is that feeling. It is that that feeling in the brain. That, yeah, like the, the sound uh, triggering that that sensation. And like you had Stefan uh, on last week or the week before. Sorry, uh, and yeah. he was saying you know like something about it just feels yeah. so good when I listen to it, and it's like it's the same for me. Like when I just when I started to hear like macro, like I used to play shows like doing in, like industrial stuff and yeah. my punk friends being like, Oh Sam, he's doing noise music. And I would be like, it's not noise. like I'd get yeah. offended, you know, yeah. but now like when I just, you know, when I heard like fucking Pittsburgh or whatever, like yeah. just that wild, like, yeah, ah, it's so like, you're just if it's good, like you're just almost transported to yeah. like a different place and like you're riding a fucking horse or something like, yeah, I can't, that's the best way I can describe it. It's just like a total, it's yeah. an overload, you know, yeah, the it audio is. It is. Is overloaded and your brain is overloaded. Yeah. But it, but it's still very constricted. Like you said, it's very much like, it's a very constricted yeah. and like, I don't know. I don't have, number of words i guess i can try to find for it but i don't know what the, what the word for it, but it's but yeah it's not the sound of freedom it's like the sound of coming up against something like exactly. it's like yeah you know you'll never push through that exactly wall. you just get lost in whatever you're pushing up against i guess i don't know yeah exactly yeah yeah interesting um what do you think could happen you know, you, you said you, you a lot of your analog gear and, and, and methods come from stuff you find on the streets. And, you know, you have these machines that you've kind of been able to get for cheap and stuff like that. But I kind of talked to, 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 to Dilloway about this as, as tape becomes, first of all, less and less, like, produced. Like, it's not really produced anymore, except I feel like all the people who are producing right now are kind of, like, 
after effects. Like they're like, oh, let's bring tape back and like make a bunch sure. of really crappy cheap tape so like hipsters can put out Animal Collective on tape and you know like stuff like that. But like there's not really that active industry that's like working to like. There's very few people producing new musical grade tape. And I won't say, but we were talking earlier and I used to work for a company that dealt with cassette tapes. That's and right. I can remember a few years ago when there was talk of like, there's no more tape. Like that was like, that was what I heard when I went in one day and it was like, oh, what, what the fuck? And they were like, yeah, our supplier overseas is out. And it was maybe two or three months later. Oh, we found a new supplier in, I think it wound up being in Malaysia, maybe a factory that said like, we will do, we'll start doing it again. You know, basically where at, at the time it was like, well, national audio company, I think in the States is trying to produce their own in-house stuff. They probably, I don't know if they still are or whatever, but yeah. This was a couple of years ago now, but at, at the time the talk was like, yeah, the stuff they were trying out was not working out very well. Like it sounded like shit, you know? So, dude, this is crazy. Okay. You, okay. You did mention this to me beforehand and I didn't really understand the implications of this, but we won't talk about where you worked, but you have such a, I'm going to ask you a bunch of shit right now because you have such a insider's perspective on something that's so opaque and they keep it so opaque. Like the, I'm dealing with a tape supplier in Europe right now. Um, so with your, with your, I think five, correct me if I'm wrong, five or so tapes that you have out that you've released under the name Jute, um, is Contempt the first one? Uh, no, Contempt would be the second one, I believe. Was the first one with Data Scrape on it? The first one would be... Uh... Oh, how am I blanking on Soma? It's called Soma. Oh. Uh, Detachment did a reissue of it. Uh, I think it came out last year. Ah, uh -huh, uh -huh, okay. I have them both in front of me here. Um, but okay. So, okay, so Soma was Soma was the first one. I thought Contempt for some reason was the first one. In the I did. I did a self-released edition of Soma that was basically, if I got an order, I would dub one and I dub some I so John Grimaldi who runs detachment he yeah. got in touch with me and uh I sent him these tapes and he wrote me and he was like oh these are bunk like dubs or whatever <laughs> so I sent him the master file but he he was like I he mentioned he said I'd love to do a tape for you uh -huh. and if you want we could do a proper reissue of the of this soma tape down the line so Contempt kind of is the first one because I feel like John doing it and having U.S. like distribution on it. Yeah, it's probably the thing that like people actually heard. Okay, so Soma came out more widely first, and then Contempt was reissued after that. Other way around. Okay, other way around. Got it. Got it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um. What can you tell me about like the? I guess the content of those, I mean, I'm interested in the question of content and form in harsh noise is, yeah, I guess a big topic. Um, but it seems like you do f have some focus on 
content. I mean, what you've talked about, you have certain things that you're really, at least idea-wise, trying to attack with the project. How do those two tapes uh, differentiate from each other in terms of what you were trying to achieve there? Or just so, sound-wise? I mean, not not the... I'm expecting you to say what the deep... No, think, actually, uh, you know, what... Well, I think what, like, characterizes them both, maybe, uh, and, like, puts them together... Like, they were made fairly c- close together. Mm-hmm. Um, Soma, the first one, was sort of right before I started uh, my degree, and Contempt was when I was in my at the end of my first year, I think, or beginning of my second year. Mm -hmm. So I was actually like mixing them in a pretty nice studio at school. Cool. Uh, But I was also like early in figuring out how I was like making this stuff. Um, But I think uh, something that ties them together and yeah, is common between the two is like the use of like the vocal sample extractions. Um, And that is sort of like almost, that's sort of like where a lot of my interest in like making noise and like electronic music in general comes from is like getting into bands like Crass pretty early on where like if you listen to Christ the album or like Stations of the Crass, like almost every song is like buttressed by like tape collages mm-hmm. that are extracted from like the television and like mm-hmm. the radio and stuff like that. And those were always some of like my most favorite parts of those records. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when I was younger, I actually did like my dad, when I was very young, he gave me a, uh, like a boombox from the seventies or eighties that had like, you know, classic, like little stereo condenser microphones mm-hmm. under each speaker. Mm-hmm. So you could record with it as well as like play stuff on it. And I made tape collages like from movies and stuff like mm-hmm. when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and those tapes, I know like the sources are both derived from, so I, I guess I kind of keep like an archive of stuff like from YouTube on my computer Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like I record the audio from like a lot of old news reports and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, these are things that come from like historical periods or situations that I guess I'm like interested in or, Mm -hmm. or tie into like my current interests. Um, And they're very like, I don't know. I always found like you're like blasting noise. And then there's like a stop, a little chunk of like uh, some speech or something. And then bop, like that was the thing. I did that a bunch on those tapes from what I could remember. And like it very, like it all kind of hinged on those moments. Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess it's just I sort of, yeah, like an outgrowth of like my practice of loving collecting that sort of like, I like to collect information, I guess. Like mm-hmm. I do the art on all of my releases so far and it tends to be like collage work. 
Yeah. And I, I'm and just not like a death quite, color, quite colorful. Also, I mean, like it's it's it has a certain psychedelic aspect to it. I feel, or I don't know if that's maybe a kind of a reductive word to use, but it has a has a certain colorful yet bleak look. I also was curious: is the is the is the tape um, is that a is that a pulse even reference, or is that just just not? It's kind of a little, I, I like it is, it's but like, it isn't. It's like, like a nice, actually, it's like a different thing, but it's also like a nice metallic. Sticker. Yeah, I asked, uh, I asked John if we could do like some, some wavy, some wavy labels. I do like you saying psychedelic, you know, like that is something that I do kind of like shoot for, mm -hmm. with like my material as well, yeah. and like I like that aesthetic, and so yeah, I do. I mean, yeah, colorful but bleak. That's like kind of like. That's that's life, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's I like to. I guess what I'm trying to spit out is that like in the visuals and in the in the audio as well. Like I just I'm collaging, and I want to give like yeah a very vibrant uh, experience that is maybe a, a little psychedelic. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, that comes but preoccupied what sort of what sort of historical or political um events or topics are you interested in when how does that relate i mean you've of course the the technological issue is hugely political and that's you know you've already talked about that quite a bit but um what other sort of topics or angles are you interested in i guess most broadly it's just sort of the history of the 20th and the 21st century which is like tends to be characterized by like imperialist violence and you know i i don't want to say like too much stuff on here i guess that like not that i'm harboring insane thoughts or anything but like uh There's just such great evil that our civilization and society is built on the back of, and that's obviously like spun a certain way and propagandized in other ways um, that are just like, it's just like, I just think it's all like really fucking evil, basically. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a very like peace loving person. Uh, you know, but so I guess the sort of like, I don't know, the violent nature of the sounds kind of go with that violence of like the history of, you know, especially in Canada, like a settler or colonial mm -hmm. state, um, that it's just like, yeah, like it's just kind of the classic punk stuff of just looking at the world and thinking like, it's so fucking wrong, you know? But I think, you know, Stefan said in, when you had him on there a few weeks ago, you know, like that sort of difference of like, oh, the punk people trying to like suggest a different way maybe um, and an industrial and noise kind of just saying like, look at this and mm -hmm. there's like, I don't know, a middle path in there somewhere. I don't like to like, 
I think I put my message across without having to say sure. totally out loud, like, fuck this, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense, but um, yeah, I guess that's what I'm just sort of broadly concerned with is just like, I just look at things and I just think it's, there's just so much that's so wrong. And, and the other thing, and maybe the more overbearing thing is just like, it just goes so fast because of this technology that we, there's almost no, I, there's just almost no hope for it. Like, that's how I feel a lot of the time, you know, it just is, it's already played out farther in the future than we could even like conceive mm -hmm. in maybe a really bad way. So, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, know I don't know mean. if that's too broad, but no, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Wars. Like I know, you know, this imagery crops up a lot in the, my collages and stuff. And like, so I just kind of show, you know, like there is that, that violence are like, you know, our bodies are implicated, but also like we occupy a space of like being really removed from a lot of violence. Yeah in the world like everything's like so mediated you know there's just there's a lot of stuff there i guess i try not to be like too glib with with any of the imagery i i use i guess sure is that something that will continue to be a theme throughout your work do you mean do you have any plans to to you know, elaborate on that or, or, or go deeper in that direction or anything specifically related to that topic that you want to achieve or, or explore further? I mean, I've got a few things that I've been thinking about releasing myself and those might wind up like maybe what little money comes of it will like go somewhere else you know mm -hmm. it won't go to the next release mm -hmm. but um not sure that's the best at i i don't really know but i mean i yeah i'm always going to be preoccupied with this stuff i think um i don't know that it'll always be i don't know maybe my stuff is a little like on the nose a lot of the time i don't think so i mean i don't know i don't think so Try to try to, I don't know. I try to walk a line with that. You know, I want people to put something of themselves into it when they listen to stuff, but, um, there's stuff there to chew on too as well. Yeah. Um, it definitely, no, it feels like that. I mean, I was curious if you had any, any, I don't know, any plans to incorporate text or, or, or imagery or something like that. Cause I, uh, uh it is suggested. I mean, I know, I understand what you're su suggesting in there and it's felt, but it's not, I don't feel it's on the nose. I mean, it, I was curious if you had any, plans to be more I do explicit or, some, or anything like that or i don't know working on there is a zine that i'm working on that will probably accompany like a future jute mm -hmm. release that is sort of experimenting like with my own writing and then writing generated by uh by an ai mm -hmm. network mm -hmm. and sort of like combining those mm -hmm. uh, i was working on that most of this summer but kind of hung it up for a while to just come back to it and see if it's maybe worth it at mm -hmm. all. Um, but yeah, I, I am interested in doing stuff like that and it's probably coming down the line. Um, 
and video also I've been working a little more with like trying to do video uh, stuff um, for my own recordings but also um, if we get back to a point when there's like lots of shows rolling through town again it's insane to say that again but it does st still feel very like quiet yeah. in terms of like gigs and stuff sure. uh i'd like to have uh i don't know i bought a green i'd like to do something you know like in the vein of like pain factory or whatever like fuck yeah TV, that uh, yeah i was doing like uh, filming performances and putting those up to be like accessible online i think would be really cool definitely i think that's great i mean I, i'm glad to hear that because i think yeah i do I think kind of going back to the whole, we were so deep in technology and all those things are so ubiquitous in our lives. Um, it would be nice to, it would be nice to see more noise projects employ more of that multimedia stuff in a tasteful way. I mean, not like some corny YouTuber type shit, but I mean, like there's so much there's so much there and it's getting easier and easier and cheaper and cheaper. And you know, like that's, I think this, you know, like this podcast is like totally, there's such rich discussion that goes on, you know, uh, with everyone that you have on the show and to have it out there. And like with this visual, it's like, it's so easy to do this, you know, like well, why that's, would... that, that's my point is that like, I, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, and you know, I, I did it because I felt like that was missing, but I also feel like, this actually is super easy to do in terms of like technologically. Um, and how did, how have you come about some of your, your, your working relations with, with labels and things like that? I mean, det detachment programs has done two of your releases and you kind of explain how that came about. Um, uh, you know, absurd exposition is Taylor, Taylor and I, had known each other actually for like a, a really long time. Uh, I used to be friends. I used to be friends. That's awful. Uh, one of my friends uh, used to run a distro in Calgary, my hometown, uh, when I was in high school. And he's like the dude that I got all my punk and hardcore shit off of. And uh we also like, he took me on some of my first trips to like see bands like outside, like in the States and shit. Like we went to the Pacific cool. Northwest in like 2007 and saw, uh, some great shows down there. But, um, we were going one time. So I, Taylor and I used to know each other from like a Canadian equivalent of MySpace, basically. Okay. And I can remember going to Vancouver from Calgary for some shows in 2007 uh, or six, uh, where we actually like, because Taylor also ran a distro at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we like stopped at his school and like him and my friend did like a trade like <laughs> on his like lunch hour. I hope he's like high school telling this fucking story, but like. Yeah, we both would have been like 16 or 17 years old back then. Like high school? Yeah, like high school. 
Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. But never knowing each other like very well for a really yeah. long time until I moved here, you know, and started yeah. getting into noise and stuff. Um, so, you know, I gave him copies of like that Soma tape that I did or something, showed him recordings and was like, mm-hmm. you know, doing noise now or whatever. And he eventually asked me if I do a tape. And cool. So I did that with him, but I don't. I try not to like solicit people to like release my stuff. It just seems weird to do a little bit. I I have considered it because there are labels where I'm like, fuck, like I could write an email and be like, love what you do. You know, this might be cool, blah, blah, blah. But I would rather if people hear it and they want to reach out, like that's much preferable to me. Like Stefan at new forces, like he just Mm -hmm. reached out to me and, asked if I would do something and, you know, like love the fucking labels. Like, yeah. So, you know, I get stuff on new forces through, through Taylor's distro, like whenever I can, like so many mm-hmm. releases. So like, yeah, for sure. Happy, like Manuel narcolepsia. I mean, I still, he's someone who's like reached out to me and I apologize, but like, I still owe him recordings, you know, but. Oh, cool. There's um, something planned for that. Yeah, yeah. So that's imminent. That's yeah. That's coming soon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But awesome. that's basically how it goes. Like I just I wait for someone to reach out. Okay. So far, I mean, like we talked about a little bit at the beginning. Like I am, I am like relative. Like I didn't even really start. Like even just listening to like noise until yeah, five or six years ago, probably. Sure. Yeah. Um. It maybe that's related to the reason, but it, you know you've been around for a few years, and relative to what a lot of noise projects do, you've put out relatively little stuff. Not not really, but I mean, like a lot of noise projects come on the scene, and I mean your first shit is really good. So it's not like you felt like I feel like oh I don't know, but I mean your first shit was really strong. It's like a lot of people come out strong, or then like oh wait I'm doing noise and I'm good, and like there's interest like. Then they put out like six, seven things in a year. And you've kind of spent like one to two, it seems like, a year kind of since then. Is that is that just because of label cooperation or is that or do you just work do you work like that or is that a conscious decision? No, yeah, it's just kind of fits and starts for me. Like I just kind of like I find it hard to work on stuff sometimes in a way that's like up to my own standards or or whatever. Or like maybe get a new, a new piece of gear, or whatever, and like maybe takes a while to like get acquainted with it and learn. Mm-hmm. Like, is this like actually like worth keeping? Is it for this yeah. sound? Do I use it for something else? Like, I don't know. Um, and I think some of that comes from like I kind of started the project when I started my degree, which is like concerned with all this kind of stuff surrounding sound. Um, So yeah, it's more just like, I haven't really, I only want to put out stuff that I'm like really happy with, especially if it's for somebody else. I'm way more ready to put out my own stuff like myself. I don't do a terribly good job with like getting it out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I do kind of like 
there is that like split. I'm like, okay, that's something I can like do on my own time. This yeah. is like some shit for someone who's like asked me. I gotta make it fucking. Yeah, but it's like I. It's what I I wanna I wanna hear. You know. Yeah. I, a lot of people say that, but it's true. No, it's good. I mean, I, I think that's a really good thing. Good. I mean, it seems obvious, but it seems like a really good approach to have is just like, yeah, don't but rush I, things and don't put out too much stuff because I don't do you, do you do you in your following as a fan or as a kind of a colleague of other noise artists and kind of a participant in the noise scene do you, do you get the sense that people are a little too hasty or too too prolific sometimes? Yeah, well, for sure. I mean, I think there is like, but, you know, I don't want to think about it like overly critical because like maybe there's people who have like mad stuff like in the can, you know, and they're just kind of like boom, boom, boom. And they they plan it that way. Like, that's fine. That's like, yeah, that's good marketing or whatever, you know, (laughs) Uh, but I do, you do see stuff where it's like, sit on, like, I, I don't know if you're mixing your own shit, like you should be like, in my opinion, like you make a mix of some tracks for a tape, like don't listen to it for a week and then like put it on your fucking iPod for a week and like listen to it like every day for a week and then put it away. Like, that's how I am. Like I, yeah. There's stuff that, like, was, you know, I intended to send out, like, really quickly, and then I just kind of, like, listened to it, and it, I don't know, can be a trap, I guess, but I think there's a lot to be gained from, like, spending a lot of time with your own stuff, and it can't be just in the initial session of recording it, or the first time you mix it, like, you should never be, like, mixing something for the... I shouldn't say that, but like, I would never like mix something for the first time and be like, fuck yeah, send it out. Let's go. Stamp of approval. Like, no, don't listen to it for like a week and then check it back and you'll hear shit that you're like, oh, okay, let's, or maybe not. I don't know. Right. Maybe you listen to it a week later and you're like, fuck, that's even better than I remember it being. Yeah. That's also like a great thing that happens you know like yeah so i just want to be sure putting yeah product (laughs) do do you um do you have different like monitoring setups that you check stuff on are you are you pretty i mean i see you have some like kind of like decent near field monitors there in the background but do you do you go through and like do you do check yourself on various systems and you think before you I'm not Before crazy about it, but like, yeah, I I mix on like old Rocket Fives. They're five inch, uh, first gen Rocket mm-hmm. near field monitors. Tons of bass, but I'm also just in a room that's not treated at all, mm-hmm. so I don't think about it too. It's just like there's some speakers, mm-hmm. they're fucking bass heavy, so I check them. I have another set, uh, in my bedroom over here that's like just some bookshelf speakers that I found on the street. They're probably like three inches. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I check stuff on those and then just like put it on my phone, headphones. Yeah. 
if I'm mixing like here on headphones, I live in a, an apartment. My neighbors have like a baby and shit. So I can't, mm-hmm. I used to, this is another thing when I was making my first tapes, I was living in an apartment where like, I could be so fucking loud. Like mm-hmm. I would check my mixes in the living room. Like those old, like commercials where the guy sits down. Yeah. And it's, weird, it's like, flat. like that's like yeah. what I do. You know? Cool. Uh, those days are over, but uh, I use like, you know, AKG 420 whatevers. Yeah. Uh, they're like nice and flat. And then, yeah, just like whatever fucking like shit Walkman. Yeah. And if it's good for, you know, those, it's probably good for anything, I guess, in my opinion. What, what, uh, do you mix in a DAW? Yes. Which one do you use? I do editing in a program called Amadeus Pro. Okay. It's a, it's kind of like a small time, like Mac equivalent to like audacity. Mm -hmm. Something a prof at school put me onto and he's, he knows the guy who like wrote the program. So Mm -hmm. In second year, I remember he was like, oh, if there's any, anything that, you, you know, think you would make the program better, like, let me know. So there was some shit about, you know, like exporting tracks and we told him and like the new patch of the program that came out, it had all those changes. It's a great, amazing wow. program for editing audio, like recording, like if you were recording on a four track, I like dump my stuff in on that. You yeah. can you can get almost sam you know you can get sample accurate editing wow. you know, like zoom in chop your waveform at a zero crossing like no problem uh, but in terms of mixing processing through like effects and stuff I use Ableton Ableton Live. okay yeah and is it is is it, I feel like I've heard of Amadeus Pro but I would, not much is it um, is it a multi track multi track editor uh, as many tracks as you want. Like, okay, okay, okay. Create a track. You know, is, I, I, I've never really used Audacity. I, someone, for some reason, in my mind, I have that it's just like stereo. But is that true? Is this is Audacity also multi-track? No, you can do uh, well because we we had to do stuff in school that was in five channels, like playback. Okay, and that is the program we would like put our stems into because it does offer like really simple like revving. Okay. You know, if you wanted to have five speakers, yeah, it's really easy to just send a channel here or there. Audacity, uh, Amadeus. Oh no, no, but I'm I'm just curious about Audacity because I know that's what a lot of people use. It is Audacity is Audacity a, also multi-track? I never used it much. I assume it's kind of the same thing. It's like a very bare bones. Okay, exactly yeah. for like. I mean, I guess people do use it to mix like whole compositions, but. In my mind, it's more about like editing. Like okay. you want to cut something to length, or like I use it to make like uh, if I want to make like a really clean loop of mm-hmm. something to get the zero I don't, zero yeah. crossing. Like, uh, explain. I mean, I know what zero crossing is, but explain that what it is for for people maybe. So, yeah. So when you you're editing a waveform and you're gonna chop something, if you don't want the beginning of the fucking sound to go. I have some weird artifacting on it. You have to cut it at a zero crossing, which is where 
the waveform crosses zero dB. So if you're just looking for a point on mostly any audio editor where the waveform is gonna come across this horizontal line mm -hmm. and cut it there and make sure that you're not cutting up here at plus six or down here at minus six and that's gonna give you a clean edit, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, it's probably as easy to do on Audacity as anything. I just happen to have a Mac. So Amadeus is the stuff they gave us in school and it's like, I fucking love it. You can run plugins in it and stuff, but it's not like um, in Ableton where you can sort of real time hear something being processed. You have okay. to like, in Amadeus, you would have to say like, highlight the waveform and be like reverb. And then it would take yeah. like two seconds, process it and give you the new yeah. waveform. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, cool. uh, it's amazing. Just highly flexible. A lot of, you know, undo, redo, possible, like if you're making mistakes yeah. or want to do multi-channel stuff, it's, it's an incredible program. Yeah. Cool. Cheap too. <laughs> Super cool. Yeah. Um, so, um, I would like to ask you the question I like to ask everyone, and that is what are your top five noise releases of all time? Yeah, this is uh, <laughs> this is hard. You knew it was I, coming. I, I almost made a list, and then I was like, "No, you can't make a list." Uh, Somebody will do it at this point. It's fine. So no, I'll say maybe I'll you know some of them might be a little like fudgy. I guess you're the final judge on it, but like definitely "Heathen Earth" by Throbbing Gristle mm -hmm. in terms of like gateway release mm -hmm. that's doesn't get better than that for me mm -hmm. um probably like msbr collapse land mm -hmm. is that the name collapse land yeah or ultimate ambience mm-hmm uh, I really love, like, this is another thing where, like, I've only kind of been into stuff so long that I could say, like, early aughts, not even that, it's not even that old, but, like, Tiger Smells a Corpse by Purian. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, like, Annihilationist. Mm-hmm. Um, really love those. What is that, like three? That's three. Probably Physical Evidence by Non. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like Pittsburgh by Macro or Grind, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. uh, Amplified Humans. Basically like Prime Era Macro is the stuff mm -hmm. that really like set me off to like try and make my own shit cool yeah and then what about five newer releases of the past year two three if not releases then like projects or you know all can also no, be 
that's workable. Uh, that's like almost easier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really like the two uh, golden purifier tapes that came out mm-hmm. uh, last year or this mm-hmm. year, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, those were like really fucking good. Um, probably a little bit. It's maybe pushing the three years, but yeah, I can't remember if it's 2019 or 2020, but uh, Grant Evans tape on monorail trespassing Mm -hmm. uh, albatross. Mm -hmm. That is like, I play that constantly. It's so fucking good. Um, Scarver of the sewer election LP that came out uh, last year. The one on second sleep. Yes. Yeah. That's like black and white cover. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe tied also. I really loved uh, like uh, blizzard amplification. That mm-hmm. was also fucking insane. Mm-hmm. Um, the stuff that's been coming out on vast field magnetism out of Toronto, uh, Barrett, Barrett's label. That stuff is all really, really good. Really like that. Um, it's what four shredded nerve. That's probably one of the, I, I try to get anything I can mm-hmm. the nerve, uh, turning, turning grave, I think was the last thing I heard. And it's, Awesome. Which one is that? I well, that, that's a, that's a self that's like a self released one, right? Or it's like a CDR, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. I haven't heard that yet. Yeah. Or it's like a yeah tape with a red. Or is it tape? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. With a red thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope I have some. I think I have some on the way. Really good. Really good. Cool. Good. Nice. nice I list. should say, can I give one general runner up because it was also a thing that I heard like when I was first like starting to make shit was the en sanglance uh, crackdown box on hospital. Cool. It's, it's great. Canadian. Um, yeah. Canadian. It's also Canadian. <laughs> and it's Quebec, Quebecois. On top yeah. Of yeah. 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 That's very cool. Nice. Um, Anything else you want to uh, let us know about? What, I mean, what, what you've you've got something else coming up for narco? You got something coming up for narcolepsy as soon? You said yes. I want to. Yes, I want to send Manuel some masters soon. I've been talking about it for a while, and it's just yeah. I just it's I just haven't been making a lot of stuff lately, but yeah, that for sure. Um, CD on absurd exposition. Oh. Uh, CD for uh, AAD probably as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit shorter. And are those recordings that are done? Or are those plans? They're in in the works. I'm working on them. Yeah. Okay. Cool. It's been, been slow. I was finishing school for a while, and now I'm like working again. So I'm just kind of no. Like, that's that's cool. I mean, if yeah. you're working, that's 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 great. But I've. That, that's what's in the pipe and some self-released stuff. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Killer. Yeah. Looking forward to that all. Um, 
Well, that's excellent. Uh, it was a lot of fun to talk to you. Uh, thank you. I was <laughs> great. To, yeah, great to talk to you and meet you as well. I'm big fan of first time, first time talker, long time listener. Cool. Good to hear. Thank <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, it was great. Cool, man. Well, uh, unless there's anything else you want to add, anything else you want to shout out or let people know about, then I would say thank you so much. And uh, uh, I'll just say rest in peace, Dave Finkelman, Taylor Scott, Jordan Stein. Uh, that's it. Peace and love. Fuck the government. Cool. In the extended segments of his interview, Sam gives some inside scoop on the current global tape supply situation from his time while working at Canada's biggest tape supplier. He also talks about building his own contact mics and electronics, and we talk quite a bit more about the untapped potential of current visual media technologies in the noise underground. Sam also made a 10-minute Jute video EP of remixed archival material, exclusively for supporters of this podcast. There's a whole lot more on the Patreon, bonus WCNTV episodes, a private Discord server where supporters, podcast guests, and label alumni hang out and connect, periodic merch giveaways, discounts of the mail order, much, much more. Head over to patreon.com slash white noise to see all that's available and support this podcast.